It is awesome to be able to worship with you this morning, and I just want to say a huge thank you to our worship team, practicing social distancing, coming here and providing a great musical worship for us. I want to say thank you to our tech team, Kenny and, and Adam back there. Thank you guys so much for all the work that you've done. Thank you to Adam and Megan Hackle for being so generous or allowing us to be able to provide a great live stream. They were working tirelessly all through this last week to make it uh, look real good for us here this morning. So let's spend some time in prayer together. Lord Jesus, what a time it is to come to your throne of grace. You tell us that we can come in confidence, that you give us grace and mercy in our time of need. This is a time of need for us. We desperately need your grace and your mercy. And so I pray this morning that wherever we're at, that you meet us exactly where we're at, that you fill us up with the power of your spirit, that we feel your strength, we feel your certainty. All the emotions that we have, whether it be anger or anxiety or fear, we will bring those to you, our Heavenly Father, because you are good. And we know that you are trustworthy, we know that you hear our voice, and we know that you're in control. And so I pray as we open your word this morning, I pray that you would speak to us with the power of your spirit. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been going through Genesis, and uh, we decided to continue to go through Genesis because uh, we want to have some normalcy, as much normalcy as we can. And so we've been walking through Genesis this year, and we've gotten to Genesis 9, where uh, God had selected Noah and commanded him to build an ark, and the floodwaters came, and now we hear, we hear from God and see how God worked through Noah and his family to save them. The last few weeks in Genesis 6, we looked at the adventure of following God, even when it's unpopular. And then in Genesis 7, we looked at the blessings of obeying God. And then in Genesis 8, we looked on the faithfulness of God. And today, this week, we're going to look at the covenant, how God is so trustworthy. But I thought we could all use a little uh, laugh this morning. So I uh, wanted to share a couple jokes with you about Noah. First one is, uh, what kind of lights did Noah use on the ark? He used floodlights, of course. Uh, I can't tell if you're laughing or not, so I brought my uh, laugh track. Oh, thank you for laughing. Very good, very good. I really appreciate that. Uh, next one is, how do we know that Noah and the people on the ark didn't play cards on the ark? It's because Noah was sitting on the deck. And one... One last one. Do you want to build an ark for yourself? Do you want to build an ark? I know a guy. Okay, there we go. I can't tell if you're laughing or not, but hopefully you are. You can put some comments in there about my cheesy pastor jokes. We believe that God is the promise keeper, and that's the point for this morning, that God is the promise keeper. And uh, I'm so thankful that we can trust in the promise keeper because we are a church that believes in disciples making disciples. And we're already seeing that disciple making happening even in the midst of a troubling time. We're seeing people being cared for and being uh, shared the gospel with. Uh, just this uh, last couple of days, I think it was a couple of days ago, my wife was in Walmart and she was uh, in line practicing social distancing and the lady in front of her started singing a worship song. 
And then Christy started singing that same song. And then the cashier started singing that song, and it was just a contagious time to lift up the Lord right there in Walmart. I've asked you guys to, to consider putting up your Christmas lights, and it's cool to see some of the disciple-making that's happening with that. I've already had many awesome conversations with my neighbors about why on earth I'm putting up Christmas lights in March and got to share about the light of Christ. So I challenge you to do that too. Put up a few Christmas lights and shine the light of Christ. We want to be a church that makes disciples that makes disciples. We believe a disciple is someone who follows after Jesus, that loves Jesus, that loves one another, and loves the lost. And what a time for us to do that. A time for us to love Jesus, to run to him with our worries and our fears. A time for us to love one another, to love the church, to reach out to those in our church, to care for those that are in need, and to love the lost. I don't know about you, but my heart is completely broken for the over 200,000 people in St. John's County that don't know Jesus, especially during this time. It's hard enough for all of us that are believers in Christ to find hope and joy during this time. Imagine not knowing the God of the universe. I think about all the millions of people in our country and tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people around the world that don't know Jesus. What a time for us to share the hope that's in us. A chance for us to share with the lost the hope that we find in Jesus. We believe that God is the promise keeper, and we see that here this morning in Genesis uh, chapter 9. This is after God resolved in his heart that he would not destroy the earth again after uh, the flood in that same way, and so he gave a noadic covenant with man. And so we read here in Genesis 9 that covenant. And it takes a couple minutes to read through Genesis 9, but you can pull up pull out your Bibles at home and read along or you can look on the screen here as I read through the scripture. I think it's so important that we read the scripture uh, together. Even though it takes a few minutes, we get to see how scripture all works together when we read all of scripture. And so here is Genesis 9. Then God blessed Noah and his sons saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground, and upon all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. As for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal. And from each man, too, I will demand an accounting for the life of, of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall shed his blood be shed. For the image of God has God made man. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, with every living creature that was with you, the birds and the livestock and all the wild animals, those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off because of the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is a sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I've set my rainbow in the clouds, and it'll be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I'll remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. 
where the rainbow appears in the clouds, I see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant of establishing me and all life on the earth. The sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These were the three sons of Noah. And from them came the people who were scattered over the earth. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he, when he drank some of the wine, he became drunk, and he laid uncover inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders, and they walked in backwards and covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned, to, turned the other way so they would not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, he found out what his youngest son had done to him. He said, Cursed be Canaan, lowest of slaves, will he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend the territory of Japheth. May Japheth live in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his slave. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. Altogether, Noah lived 950 years, and then he died. A lot there to break down and look at as we look in the Word of God, starting in verse 1. It says, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. This is essentially a renewal, with some slight modifications, of the original divine mandate given to God in Genesis chapter 1, to be fruitful and multiply. Just as Adam and Eve have been told to be fruitful and multiply, now Noah and his family are told to do the same. Verse 3 and verse 4, being a mediator like I am, I really like these verses. It says, everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I give you green plants, now I give you everything. This is basically the start, the origin of Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and the backyard burger. And I'm so thankful in God's graciousness that he allows us to eat all things on the earth except for the meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. They do, he doesn't want us to eat the raw meat because the blood of the animals uh, was used in this time for sacrifice for men's unrighteousness. It's also maybe a divine warning against pagan worship that was happening using the blood of animals. And so here God gives us all of these freedoms but puts aside one thing uh, to not partake in. In 9.6, Genesis 9.6, we see the origins of civil government. And a lot of us are tuning into the news and watching our government now more than ever. What I want you to do right now is we can have a little interaction together. I want you to comment right now, what's one thing that you like the civil government to do? And I know many of you are going to write, stop the coronavirus. Besides that, what's one thing that you want the civil government to do? If you can just write that in your comments uh, below in a few minutes, I'll get to that and we'll look at some of the comments that you wrote in to have a little interaction uh, together. As we look at what verse 6 says, we see the establishment of the role of civil government. And there's all kinds of government, right? There's self-government, there's family government, but here we see civil government. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. 
here we are in an election year. Here we are with all kinds of things happening in our civil government. And God establishes civil government, you, you see here, to restrain evil. We see it again in Romans chapter 13, verses uh, 3 and 4. It says, For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you, for he is God's servant for you to do good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, the agent of wrath to punishment, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So let's see here. Let's see if you put any, uh, any comments uh, here, on, here online about what you thought the civil government uh, should do. Uh, I see uh, Cheryl Swicegood talks about our military and, and police and fire. See Jessica Lee talks about health care. Talk about uh, Leanne Satterfield talking about seeking justice. Uh, Ivy's talking to about dressing more uh, about the homelessness and uh, food insecurity, especially for children. We see all different things that people wrote on here, and we see here in this scripture that God established a civil government for the main purpose of restraining evil, restraining human nature. And he gives us, he gives the civil government the power of the sword. And that clear authority here, it's talking specifically in 9.6 about capital punishment, but there's also human activities such as theft and robbery and other uh, things that you seek very clearly uh, be given to the government and, and the military to protect us, to shield us from evil. That's the main purpose of the civil government in Scripture, is to restrain human nature. And God also gives his church with the purpose of redeeming human nature, with the power of the gospel. That's why we're here, to redeem human nature. And, and some of those things that you put down there, uh, we should be the church, and we should reach out to those that are in need. And, and I love being on the encouragement at 8 each and every night. It's awesome to be able to join you there, and we see the power of the gospel going out and encouraging people. We believe that the only strength that we have as a church is from the gospel, and we believe that's the best thing that we have to offer to, to help uh, remedy human nature can only happen through the power of the gospel. So some may ask, well, do we always obey the civil government? Well, we should obey the civil government because the authority that they have over us, except when they tell us to do things that, that go against God's word. We see an example of that, what happened in, in Acts chapter 5, verse Verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. And so this morning, we're not meeting together physically in the building. Uh, we're doing that and we're honoring the authorities over us because of a health reason. And we want to do everything we can to stop the spread of this virus. So we're listening to the authorities over us. Now, if they told us to stop preaching the gospel, then we wouldn't listen to those authorities. But we typically do listen to our authorities because they're put there through God's sovereignty. Genesis 9-6 also talks about the sacredness of human life. It talks about if you take a man's life, you should give your own life because there is such human sacredness, life sacredness in Scripture. And I'm so thankful for the biblical foundations of our world right now. 
because many people would like to see secular humanism be pushed into the public square. But if that was our foundation, if secular humanism was our foundation, we wouldn't be doing anything to stop the spread of the coronavirus. It's the strong survives. But in Scripture, with the foundation of Christianity, we see the sanctity of life. We believe it's sacred. And so we want to do all that we can to keep our lives holy and honoring God. And I'm so grateful that even if we don't want to recognize it, that the foundation of our country has biblical roots, has Christian roots. And so we want to honor the, the lives of those that are living here on the earth now. Genesis 9, 7 says, As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Here we see, again, the command from God, be fruitful and increase in, in number. And I believe that we've done a pretty good job of this as, as the human race, haven't we? We went from eight people here in the flood to now almost eight billion people on the earth. And then we see the covenant of God happen here. Verses 8 through 12. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock of all the wild animals, those who came out of the ark with you, every living creature on the earth, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all the life be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I've set my rainbow in the clouds, and there'll be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. We see that it's a covenant well, with, with the people that came out of the ark and with the animals too. The animals don't have souls, but you see how God even values the animals, and he established this covenant with them through the power of what he has done, not through the power and strength of man. See, it's, uh, it's an unconditional covenant. And a covenant is an agreement between two people that's binding, that's usually brought forth by the person that's in authority. And here we see God is obviously the one that's in authority. And so he makes this agreement that he is worthy to be trusted, that we can trust in the promise keeper because he's the one that is initiating that covenant. And he does it with a rainbow. How cool is that that he does it with a rainbow? I'm so thankful that he does that. It's something that we can physically see. He could do something that was obscure, but he does something with a beautiful sign that we often see as a reminder of his goodness. It's visible to man, his graciousness, and we desperately need his graciousness. We desperately need his comfort. We desperately need his strength and because he's the promise keeper. We can trust in him. The next few verses, so I imagine, would have brought great comfort to Noah and his family and can bring great comfort to us, too, because Noah and his, his family had just gone through a time of great trouble in the world, right? There was great tribulation that happened on, on the earth. And now God is telling Noah and his family that he can be trusted. I've set my rainbow in the clouds, and it'll be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all the living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become flood to destroy all life. Whenever a rainbow appears in the clouds, I'll see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all the living creatures of every kind in the earth. And so God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I've established between me 
and all the life on the earth. What an amazing reassurance that would have been for Noah and his family, right? I mean, they've just gone through this flood. They've just gone through all of these uh, things that have just happened, this destruction on the earth. You can imagine they would have seen a, a cloud come in the sky and think, oh no, is it going to happen again? But God makes it very clear that he's not going to do that again. He is great comfort. I think about all the people that I know that made it through Hurricane Andrew when it came through Homestead and any of those people that live through that, anytime they hear about any type of hurricane anywhere near here, they run because they saw the destruction firsthand. And I imagine Noah and his uh, family would have done the same thing anytime they saw a cloud if God didn't give that reassurance. But the God that we serve, the God that we know is a good God. He is the promise keeper and we can trust in him. And the grace that he gives Noah and his family is the grace that he gives us and we desperately need it. I mean, Noah needed it too. I mean, look what it says in verse 20. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he, became, when he drank, drank some of the wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. He became drunk and naked. I know that's how some of you are responding to the coronavirus, right? In your houses, you're getting drunk and naked. Well, that's what Noah did here. And it shows the depth of our sin. It shows that even though Noah was a righteous man, he was not perfect. And none of us are perfect either. We desperately need the promise keeper. And we see the depth of sin happening even with Noah's sons. You see the response here from, from Ham, the father of Canaan. He saw his father's nakedness and told his two brothers outside. Instead of helping his dad in a time that he was in sin, Ham probably had some deep-rooted uh, resentment for his father, or his father's authority. And here he is, instead of helping his dad, he's mocking his dad. He's telling his brothers to come and check it out, come and see. But his brothers didn't, didn't uh, bite on trying to make a mockery of him. But we see the depth of our sin. And that's why it's so important that we trust in the promise keeper. Have you trusted in the promise keeper? We can trust in him for tomorrow. In John chapter 3 verse 16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In a time of so much uncertainty right now, we can be certain of our salvation in Jesus. And I know there are many of you that are watching this right now that you've never trusted in Jesus Christ for eternal life. You've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior. You're trusting, in, you're trusting in yourself. You're trusting in other things. Right now you're feeling so much worry and anxiety. Listen, I lived 20 years of my life without knowing Jesus. I know the worry and anxiety it can bring, and especially in times of trouble, you don't know where to turn. I want to encourage you to turn to Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus. He lived a perfect life, a life we could never imagine living. And then he died on the cross for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Listen, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. We all need salvation because if we don't have Jesus, then we'll go before God. And we'll have to pay an account for all of our sins. And scripture makes it very clear that if we don't have Jesus, we'll be away from him in hell for all eternity. In a time when most of us now are thinking about death probably more than we ever have because we're hearing about it all the time. 
I want you to know that that death is certain. We're all going to face it. Are you prepared? The best way that you can prepare is by putting your faith and trust in Christ. He is the promise keeper. If you need help doing that, put it in the comments. Let us know if you've taken a step of faith. This week, three people came to faith in Christ through the ministry of good news, and we can't wait to see what God is going to do, even through the midst of trouble. And so put your faith in him if you never have. And if you have, he can be trusted not only for tomorrow, but he can be trusted for today. He is in control. He is on his throne and controls all the things that come to pass. In Romans 8, 28 and 29, it says, And we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to his likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many of the brothers. We know that he can be trusted. We've seen it over and over and over again in the lives of people in the church, and in, I've seen it in my own life. I've seen many times when I've been heartbroken, even devastated by things that have happened, to then look back and see how God has moved in amazing ways. One example of that in my life is I always wanted to play baseball in Florida. That was my biggest goal was to play baseball in Florida. And I finally thought I had secured a scholarship with a school called Florida Tech in Melbourne, Florida. And this was the time before email, so we were in communication through phone and even through letters. And uh, the coach had invited me down to meet him to solidify all the scholarship stuff. And so my dad and I got in a car, drove from New Hampshire all the way down to Melbourne, Florida. And when we got there, when we got to Melbourne, Florida, the coach was an hour and a half late for our meeting. Wasn't a good sign. Now, when he finally showed up for our meeting, when he finally showed up, I was greatly disappointed because the coach said, not only did he not have a scholarship for me, he didn't have a place for me on the team. My dad was a little bit mad at the time, and uh, neither one of us were believers at the time, and uh, we almost strangled that coach, but we got out of there, we got our anger out, and we're heading back north on 95, and we decided to stop in the nation's oldest city, and we find Flagler College, and they, in God's sovereignty, I didn't call it that at the time because I wasn't a believer, they were holding a baseball workout. They were an NAIA school at the time, and so they were holding a baseball workout, and I got to meet Coach Barnett there and uh, it had been raining and raining and raining so all the kids that were going to play try out he asked to come back several weeks later but since I was so far from so far away we had a one-on-one workout and he said listen I don't have a scholarship for you but I have a spot on the team for you and so through God's grace and goodness I was able to get a full leadership scholarship God allowed that to happen and then when I came to Flagler I became a believer in Jesus Christ, and then I met my wife, Christy, and then I met Good News Church, and so my life completely changed, but it wouldn't have changed if that first no hadn't happened. See, God is on his throne. I also think about what happened in China not so long ago as they were trying to squash Christianity. What they decided to do is anyone that they knew that was proclaiming the gospel they would arrest and they would put them to work on garbage pickup duty. And so as these Christians would go around to all these different neighborhoods picking up garbage, the Chinese government forgot about one thing, that these Christians were still going to be bold with their faith. And so 
they, as they were picking up garbage, going from house to house, they had interactions with people, and they shared the gospel with people, and the gospel spread like no other time in the Chinese culture. God is on his throne. And I know right now some of you are finding it very difficult because you're so angry or you're so anxious or you're worrying, but I want you to know that you can trust in the promise keeper. And all throughout scripture, we see the promises, the promises that if we are in Christ, this is who we are. And I think it's worth reading some of these. This is not all of them. This is some of them. This is quite a few of them. But I want to comfort you with these promises. That if you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you. That you have access to God's wisdom. That you're helped by God. That you're reconciled by God. That you're not condemned by God. That you're justified. That you have Christ's righteousness. That you're his ambassador. That you're completely forgiven. Of all the things that you've done wrong against people, against God, if you come to him with them, you're forgiven. You're tenderly loved by God. That you're the salt of the earth. That you're the light of the world that you're proclaiming in darkness, that you're Christ's friend, that you're chosen by Christ to bear fruit, that you're the joint heir with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him, that you're firmly rooted and built up in Christ, that you're a member of Christ's body, that we're a body of believers together. And it's so interesting that even in our distance from each other, I feel like we're closer than ever as a church because we're connecting in all these new ways. Let's not stop doing that. We're the body of Christ. Let's care for one another that we're a saint, that we're hidden with Christ in God, that we're chosen by God, holy and dearly loved, that we're a child of the light, that we're holy, that we share in God's heavenly calling, that we're sanctified, that this, this scripture I read with my kids last night, that we're a member of the chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, created to sing his praises, that we're born of God, that the evil one cannot touch us, that we have the mind of God, that we may approach God with boldness and freedom and confidence. You hear that? Bring him all of your emotions. He can handle it. Whatever you're feeling, bring that to him. That we've been rescued from Satan's domain and transferred into the kingdom of Christ. That we've been made complete in Christ. That we've been given a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. That we've been given the precious, great and precious promises by God. By, by God, all of our needs are met. That we've been bought with a price. That we belong to God that we've been adopted as God's child, that we have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit, that we're assured that all things works for the good of God, that I'm free from any condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I've been established, anointed, and seated by God. I'm confident in the good work that he has begun in me will be perfected, that I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a, a personal witness of Christ. I'm God's co-worker. I'm seated at Christ in the heavenly realm. I'm God's workmanship, and I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength that I need. I hope you let those promises just wash over you, that you listen to those promises, those truths that we can trust in the promise keeper. And so what further action do you need to take in these times? Where do you need to trust him more? And listen, this is not a salvation issue. If you're only trusting him a little bit, he still loves you and cares for you because it's his promise. Just like it was with Noah, it's unconditional covenant when we trust in him. But where is God challenging you to, to count 
on his strength a little bit more. I found myself so many times in the last three or four weeks trying to count on my own strength. Have you counted in Jesus? Are you counting on his strength? In this crisis that we're in, what anxieties do you have about the virus? Is it the virus itself? Is it about finances? Listen, I encourage you this week to take some time, maybe the time where you normally be at work, but now you're at home, or a time where, you're, where you find yourself uh, having a little bit of extra time to spend. Spend it with the Lord. Ask him to challenge you to, to trust the promise keeper. I mean, we've been going through Genesis here, and we've seen him be the promise keeper over and over. He did that, and he demonstrated that love and that promise with Adam and Eve, didn't he? Adam and Eve sinned, and he, on his own, decided to come deliberately in the presence of sinners, a holy and awesome God, to give them a way out of their sin. And Noah is the same way. Even the, the God of judgment on the earth He provides for Noah and his family, and he provides for the earth. He is the promise keeper. Listen, God's grace and mercy are freely available to all people. Don't reject that grace. Accept that grace. We need that more than ever. So trust in the promise keeper. Let's pray together. Lord, I am so thankful And so grateful that you are the promise keeper. You're the one that we can trust in. And it's not up to us. It's not up to the things that we do. It's up to you. And so I pray, God, for those of you that are watching right now that have never put their faith and trust in you, that they would do that. That they would put their trust in you. That as they're thinking about their own mortality, Lord, I pray that they would run to you to get eternal life, to get hope, to get purpose, to get joy. I pray for those of us that are watching that do know you. I pray that we would take further steps to trust in you, the promise keeper. That we would remember your goodness, even in the midst of trouble. Remember that you do have a plan and you are in control because you're the promise keeper. In Jesus' name, amen.